Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are here to discuss vacation reads. It is that time of year for us, so there's lots of books that we've been giving the eye that we want to tell you about that we're hoping to read while we're away. So, but before we get to that, Gail, have you been reading anything good lately? Yeah, I've finished a couple books. I've finished, let's see, Temporary Fiction, a Romance, if you can believe it, and a memoir. Okay. Yeah, so the memoir I read is Page Boy by Elliot Page. This is about the actor's life coming out as lesbian and then coming out as trans about 10 years later. So you may remember the actor Elliot Page from the movie Juno and some other movies that he was in. And this is his memoir. And I listened to it on audio. and It was pretty good. It was um, not like a, a terribly linear book. It didn't sort of like start at the beginning of his life and go all the way through till the present day. So it kind of jumped around in time and there were vignettes and lots of things are left out. And there's, you know, I think that he held back a lot while he was talking. And so sometimes you feel like you're getting a full picture of his life. And sometimes you feel like you're just seeing the surface of it because he's keeping things private. So I wonder the things that you think he was keeping trying to keep private. Well, there's some things about some of his relationships with women that he had both when he was before he transitioned and after. And some of it is like protecting their privacy. Potentially, like some of them, there was a lot of detail and some of them there was not. And he would kind of gloss over stuff. I also felt like the part about act the actual transition, which was relatively recent, maybe in the last, last two years, I think he initiated the procedure in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It felt really rushed. Like it was at the very end of the book and there's not much discussion of it. And maybe he just didn't want to, you know, get into the details. He feels like that's just, you know, too personal and too private, but He's also writing a memoir, so you're kind of like, well, which is it? I was like, going to say, share? I struggle you know? with, with memoirs like that when, when you can tell that people are holding back or there are certain things like that. Because it, unless you're writing something that's really specific and you go in on that specific part of your life, then, yeah, I kind of feel like you, like, <laughs> if right. certain things are going to be super vague. Yeah. and he, It's, like, less impactful. Right. And he's got to know people are curious about that, right? Like, that's kind of why you read this book because you want to understand what it's like to transition. Like what, what is it like emotionally? What is it like physically? Like, what is it like? That's why I read the book. So, you know, so it, it, I, I wouldn't give it like a five-star read. It's always hard to criticize somebody's memoir because it's so personal, but it it was, you know, I'm glad I read it. I just, I kind of wanted a little more. Right. Yeah. So, and I did that on audio in his voice and his voice is a little bit like kind of listless and a little like monotone. And I also wonder if some of the part of the transition is actually affecting the voice. Like, you know, I think Mm. people things take medicine or do things to, if they're transitioning from woman to man to make their voice lower. So it's, you know, it's possible that that impacted sort of the tenor of his voice overall. Like I'm glad I read it and I recommend it, but just know that it's not a little bit of a mixed bag. 
Yeah, it's not going to necessarily, that it may leave you a little unsatisfied. Okay. So that was that one. Um, then I read, you remember you, last time we were on the show, we talked about this book, The Wife App, mm-hmm. that I mentioned I was going to read. So I read that. That's a book about these three women in New York. They're all divorced. They're all single moms. And they kind of have different circumstances, but they like get together one day and they start sort of lamenting the fact that women bear this constant mental load that you know their husbands and or ex-husbands don't either appreciate or have to handle themselves. And one of them is like a software developer. She was in a prior project manager in another, you know, previous job. And she's like, you know, why don't I create an app where people can hire a wife to do these chores? So things like school forms, planning vacations, taking the dog to the vet, things like that. There's no like sex involved. It's not like you, you know, get a surrogate wife. It's just for sort of logistical stuff. So they create this app and they launch it and it starts to take off. And so you kind of follow these three women as they're like involved with the app process. And then what else is going on in their personal lives? Like, you know, with partners or their exes or whatever. So they each have kind of drama going on. So it's kind of a late read. And I think I mentioned last time I was in need of a palate cleanser after some like kind of heavier stuff, and especially the page boy memoir, which is not a light book at all. Mm-hmm. So this one fit the bill. Although I will say, despite the fact that it's highly unrealistic in many ways, it just raised some interesting things and and some very like familiar feelings about kind of the unfair mental load that women bear and how sort of society and kind of traditional relationships are in many ways like built to perpetuate that imbalance. And I think, you know, I think the book did a kind of a nice job of like addressing that. So even though like there were parts of it that I was sort of like, okay, well that would never actually happen or this doesn't make sense. Having worked for a startup that made an app, like, like there were some things that were really oversimplified, but it was, it was a fun read and I'm, you know, I'm glad I read it. It kind of fit the bill because I needed to, I needed to take a little break. Yeah, you wanted a break from some serious stuff, right? Right, right. And then the last one I read was of romance, which is really unlike me, but it's called Business or Pleasure by Rachel Lynn Solomon, and it's a romance about a woman who's a ghostwriter who gets assigned to write a memoir for a guy who like was on a super popular show in the early two thousands and the show's now doing like a reunion tour. And so he's kind of coming out with his memoir. So she ends up hooking up with him randomly before she even knew before she even had the assignment, she had like a one night stand with him. And then he ends up being her client. And it was, you know, for a romance, it was pretty good. It's like not, what I really liked about it is the characters are very mature. There's not like a dramatic things that happen. I mean, the typical romance sequence of like, you know, they are interested in each other, but they kind of try to stay apart from each other. And then something happens to break them up and then they get back together. You know, it's not that this book didn't follow that it did, but it, I appreciated that it was, it felt very mature and the, situations they were in felt very believable and that they acted in ways that felt 
credible and understandable. And I liked that part of it. And she's a nice, she's a good writer. She's written a lot of romances and it was light. It was good. So that catches us up, I think, on what I've read. I thought you were reading, because it made me want to read it. I thought you were reading, what's his name, William? Oh, William Landing? William Landing's book. Yeah, I did read that. I thought I had talked about that last time. Yes, that is called All That I All That Is Mine I Carry With Me, one of those crazy, ridiculous titles by William Landay. Sounded that, good. I said I was going to read it. I don't know if you had finished it. Oh, okay. Yep, I finished it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. And it had some twists and turns. There was one point where I <laughs> was sitting reading this book and I just gasped. I was like, oh my God, did you that just happen? Which part it is. Well, I'm not finished. I had started reading it because you said it was so good. So okay, yeah, well, you're done. I am. I'm at the part where Jeff has come back home um, because they've discovered the body. Got it. Okay. So it's like the third, the third section. Book of the three. Book. Yes. Yes. I really enjoyed that. And I greatly look forward to talking to you about this when it's over, because I think <laughs> there's a lot to discuss. So maybe we can do a spoiler discussion of this book on our next show. Cause I'm so intrigued to hear what you think happened. <laughs> okay. Are you enjoying it? I am. I really, I really am. Yesterday I read so much. And, you know, it was one of those things where it's not necessarily like I wanted to spend the day reading. I did want to do some other things, but I just could not put it down. Isn't that the best? Yes. This this is Um, why we read. Yes. I love that. So finding books like that. And let me see, what page am I on? 191. So I probably have like 120 more pages or 130 more pages. I might finish it today. There's some things I want to get to, but, you know, maybe before I go out for dinner, I'll have a chance. Does it make you want to read any of his other stuff? Yeah, it does. I didn't I realize he, that he had written two other books before he wrote Defending Jacob. I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a good writer. I like I like the way, I like his style. I liked everything about that book. Yeah, he wrote The Strangler and Mission Flats. So that is one of the books that I'm reading. I have been super engrossed in it. The other one is... A memoir that I had started reading, it's called Easy Beauty. And I don't know, it was just one of these books that just kind of got a little bit lost in the mix. So I'm back to it. And it's not that it it's not good. Um, I think the woman's name is Chloe Hooper. Let me just look. Okay, so I am back to reading Easy Beauty by Chloe Cooper Jones. And this is a memoir and it is about this woman. She has an illness that is kind of like disfiguring. She really doesn't describe what it is, but I think her limbs are shorter. She has pain when she's walking and she decides that she wants to do a little bit of traveling, like to her husband thinks that she should get away. Her son is always really concerned about her and she goes on kind of an adventure to Italy where she does, you know, she does some concerts and she talks a lot about how she is affected, how people interact with her when she has this illness or they can't quite figure out what is wrong with her. And she describes things or whatever. And so it's a, it's a little bit hard sometimes to see, to get the full picture, but you do understand that like, it seems like she's in a lot of pain. She is a philosophy 
PhD and she teaches philosophy at a college. So she, the underpinnings of her memoir are just like thinking about philosophical perspectives and like what is expected of, of people and like beauty that comes easily and beauty that is more hard one. Like, I guess easy beauty is what a lot of people have when you really don't necessarily have to think or consciously do anything to it, attain it. But a harder beauty is more of the ones that you have to see past things and that require you to break down and kind of give your attention in order to see the beauty and meaning. So, and I think that she applies that to her her life. You know, she talks a lot about interaction she has with friends and just trying to be seen with her disability. So I'm finding that it's like, it's really fascinating. I really like hmm. her philosophy musings. Hmm. That sounds interesting. Yes. Cause she talks about what, you know, like the different philosophical perspectives that people have had, you know, she goes into some of what Plato thought and then there's other like lesser known philosophers that I wasn't familiar with. And she talks about their perspectives and like how they wrangle with life and, you know, applies it to her life and how she's attempting to step more outside of herself and out of, you know, not letting other people limit her. So that's what I'm reading along with the William, with the William Landay book. Nice. Okay. So we both have vacations coming up. Have you spent some time thinking about what you're going to read? Yes. Yes, do I you, have. Do you I have, have a, a pile? I have a, yes, I have a pile. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. Why don't we go back and forth? What's the first book on your, on your pile? Okay. So I want to read Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler. Like one of my friends I'm going to see on vacation. She recommended this. She is reading it. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll read that too. So we can discuss it while we're laying around at the lake. And it is about a 26 year old woman who is, she's an American. She's living in London and she is dating someone, a charming English man, man. you know, she wasn't expecting to, I guess, fall in love or whatever, but then he breaks up with her and she, it just like puts her on a spiral that is just not very good. And one of the quotes from the book is when love asks too much of us, how do we find the strength to put ourselves first? So this is all about the aftermath of her breakup with Rory. And I guess, you know, in high, in flashbacks, we will see what that relationship is like. And it is just about this young woman who is trying to put her life back together. You know, that has been floating around my TBR too. And maybe I should add it to my vacation list. <laughs> we can talk about it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it's not like it's light, you know, cause anyone who's dealing with their mental health and who feels like a relationship has really rocked their world is not necessarily light reading. And I always read these books kind of like with my eyes between my fingers, like, can I really look and see this? Because just remembering how, you know, especially when you're in your early twenties, early to mid twenties, how, I guess just how poignant and dramatic relationships can be. <laughs> right. So. Right. Right. Now I've heard really good things about this book and I would like to read it too. All right. So what's, what are you going to take? All right. So the first one on my list, this is risky because it's a library book, 
but which I try not to take on vacation, but I might anyway. This is the latest book by Peace Adzo Medi, who wrote His Only Wife, which I think oh, you yeah. and I both read. Yeah. Yes, we did. This is called Night Bloom, and it's about two women who were inseparable, they're cousins, and they, when they were growing up in Ghana. But then they kind of start to spin off in different directions. One of them, her grades start to get bad and she kind of shuts her cousin out. Whereas the other one gets accepted to an American university and is trying to become a doctor. So a crisis brings her back to Ghana and brings the two friends back together. And then you start to figure out what was the reason for their estrangement. So you have, you know, friendship over many years. I really like this author. I enjoyed her first book, His Only Wife, a lot. And I put this on the hold list and it came in. So I think I might take it with me, despite the fact that it's a hardcover and a library book. <laughs> so do you not like to take the library books because you can't just leave them there and lighten your load? No, because I never do that. I always bring the books back. No, because I'm worried like if something happens to it, then I'm on the hook for a library book. Right. Yeah. Oh, has anything ever happened to a book when you've been away? No, (laughs) never. Okay. No, nothing has ever happened. All right. So next on my list is If I Survive You by Jonathan Escoffrey. This was a book that I remember talking about maybe on one of our fall, you know, what we were looking forward to. So I'm excited that I'm finally getting a chance to read some of the stuff that I said I was excited to read. And so this is about a family who moves from Jamaica to Miami in the 1970s because they're fleeing the violence that is going on in Kingston. And they are expecting the United States to be a welcoming place. But when they get there, they realize that is not as welcoming as they thought it would be. Some of it, or it's like loose short stories. And a lot of it is told from the perspective of their youngest son, who's like on a search to find himself there's quite a bit of it when he's in college and he's just trying to reconcile his identity. You know, like, is he a black man? You know, it seems like he is um, of mixed race from Jamaica and just trying to reconcile that in Jamaica, he might've been more accepted than he is in the United States and trying to find his place. So this, he has an older brother and it's about, you know, we get short little vignettes about his parents so it's all about their life and how they try to adjust, you know, from the 1970s. And I believe it goes up to the 2008 recession and just how they're just trying to get a hold and to build a life in this country and the experiences that they have that are not always the best. I remember seeing that one when it came out. And it's got like this blue and pink cover. Yeah. The car on the front. All right. So my second one is a book I've heard about on... Sarah's Bookshelves podcast. I think it was one of her Beyond Bookstagram shows and somebody talked about this book and it sounded good and I couldn't find it anywhere and I ended up buying it like used on Amazon. And it is called Bankruptcy, A Love Story. And it's a memoir about a woman who discovers that her husband has bankrupted them without her knowing that he is he's an attorney, but he's emptied all of their accounts And it's all about how she deals with these secrets he's kept from her and the 
ways he's betrayed her as she tries to kind of put her life back together after the bankruptcy. It reminds me of the book that I read, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name of it, about the woman whose husband died of a drug overdose and she didn't even realize that he was an addict. He was also a lawyer and it was about their, and when we, when you're talking next, I'll look it up and so I can remember what that book was called. It was really good. Elaine, the author's name was Elaine something. And I don't know. I just kind of like books like this, like hearing about, you know, sort of people going through something really difficult and how they got through it. And just like the surprise of figuring out that you've been, you know, your, your rock solid foundation is gone. And somebody recommended it on that show and it just sounded really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear the name of the book that you said it reminds you of too. So it's, um, God, why can't I, I'm going to look on my blog and see under memoirs. I don't remember why. I don't know why I can't remember it, what the title is. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I'll let you think about that while I talk about natural beauty by Ling Ling Wang. And this is about a woman who she's, she's a musician but we learn, you know, like an accident leaves her parents unable to care for themselves. And so she needs to abandon her future and she finds a job in a high-end beauty and wellness shop in New York City. And she becomes involved in the inner workings of this shop. It's called Holistic. It's known for, you know, products that, um, you know, like Botox, things that are make you youthful and more beautiful. And so she is able to enter into like this world of privilege while she's working at the shop. She's afforded many opportunities. Um, and she becomes involved with a woman named Helen, who I think is like either the daughter or the niece of the founder of this shop. So she gets even more drawn into the world, you know, like, so they're in this friendship that is hinted it might turn into more. And she is starting to get into the world of these products and apply to use these products, you know, to like make her skin better, to like lighten her hair, to just, just do all of these things that will change her appearance. So it supposedly explores questions of consumerism and self-worth. And, you know, it says that it's funny, which I'm always kind of like, hopefully it won't be too funny. But, and also questions of self-worth, race, and identity. So I guess she's exposed to and starts to question all of these things as she's just drawn into this world of, of products that are designed to make you youthful and this world of privilege. That's the second book you have with beauty in the title. Is it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Easy Beauty. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the book I was trying to remember is Smacked by Eileen Zimmerman. I was thinking Elaine, but it was Eileen. Oh, Okay which was also really good. So I think those two, if you'd like one, you'd probably like the other. I have, well, I haven't read this one yet, but I think they're very similar, at least in theme. My next book is Something Wild by Hannah Halperin. I read her book, I Could Live Here Forever, earlier this year. I really enjoyed it. It's a book about a woman who's in a relationship with a guy who's a recovering heroin addict and all of the ups and downs of being in a relationship with someone who is 
fighting the temptation of addiction and, you know, whether you can trust that person and, you know, even if you love them, like, is it worth the sort of the constant fear and wondering and, and stress and, you know, and, and what happens in that relationship. So I really enjoyed her writing in that one. And I picked up this one, something wild. And this is about two sisters who go home, two adult sisters who go home to help their mother move out of their childhood home. And when they're home, they discover and realize that their mother is in an abusive relationship with their stepfather. And so the question is, how do they help her? Do they intervene? You know, the two sisters have different opinions about how to handle it. And it's just about that dynamic. I just really enjoy her writing and knew that when I finished the other one, I wanted to pick up more from her. So I bought this one at a bookstore. I can't remember when. And just, oh, oh yeah, because I couldn't find it in the library. So I went and got it, actually paid money for this one. So I'm excited to read it. I'm going to bring it on vacation. Okay. So the next book I have is Dirty Laundry by Disha Bose. And it is set in Ireland among this group of women, group of mothers. One stands out. Her name is Chiara. And she starts, I don't know, she's posting something on Instagram. It goes viral and she becomes an influencer. And basically the women in her Irish village come to her for all kinds of tips about you know, running their household and being a, a good mother and keeping a beautiful home and things like that. So she has a best friend who has moved I, from somewhere in India with her small child. She is trying to escape the discontent of an arranged marriage. And then there's also another woman, Lauren, whose life is a bit messy. And she's kind of like ostracized because I guess she does not have it together like Shiara and her friends. But Lauren and, um, Mishti form a relationship and then Chiara ends up dead. So it is speculated that maybe she had a life that someone would have killed for, even though Chiara's life is one thing on Instagram and it's a little bit different behind the scenes. So I think as they investigate what has happened to her, I think the less than perfect aspects of her life are starting to be exposed. Okay, so my next one is called Speech Team by Tim Murphy, who actually was a classmate of mine in college, although I didn't know him. Did you read um, another one of his books? I didn't. The, I have one called Christadora, which is here in my house. But I've Oh, never yeah, it. I think I read Christadora. That was the one that was set in the East Village. Yeah. And during the 1980s, I think. Right. So to have something to do with the AIDS. Yes, it was crisis. so good. Yeah. It was really good. Oh, good. All right. Well, I have not read anything by him, but this one is about a group of people who were in high school together and they were on high school speech team together. And it's now many years later and they are in middle age, but they have discovered that their guy who coached them is living in Florida and, oh, I know, I see what happens to get these guys back together is that one of the people from the speech team commits suicide and leaves a suicide note. And in the suicide note, the friend references this coach they had in high school and how he must have done something to the one who killed himself that sort of started off something that, you know, led him down this path. So the remaining people who were on this beach team together decide they want to go down and confront him. They want to sort of 
let this man who's now well into his 80s know that he affected them negatively when they were teenagers. So apparently it's filled with Gen X references and, you know, the fact that this guy was in my class in college means I'm sure that some of those references are going to overlap with me and my life. And I've just been curious about reading something by him because I haven't yet. And so I decided to pick this one up. Well, you're very curious to see what you will. Yeah. What you think about it. Yeah. I did hear it's a little... The references, I think it's going to be very literary. Like, I think it's it's not, this is not like broad pop culture stuff. I think it's going to be maybe a little esoteric, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Okay. So my next book is The Eden Test by Adam Sternberg. And it is about a couple whose marriage is in trouble, Daisy and Craig. And it seems like Daisy gets Craig to agree to this thing call the Eden test where they go away to a cabin in the woods and each day they get a different question that they answer. So Mm. seven questions and, you know, like each question I guess is like more explosive than the last in terms of getting to the heart of their issues in their marriage. But it seems like Craig has already packed his bags before they leave. He does agree to go, but he's packed and he's ready to move out and in with another woman And Daisy has like mysterious, she's an actress and she has like some mysterious connections to some burner phone where she's doing some texting. So it seems like she has a plan of her own for their marriage. And I think it's, so their marriage isn't perfect. The lies and revelations are piling up and how far are they willing to go? So they say it has a Hitchcockian sense of dread. I read the first two pages of this and it starts with the paramedics arriving at this cabin and they need, they bringing a body bag. And then the, the paramedic thinks he only needs one and his supervisor's like, no, we need both of the stretchers because there are two bodies. Oh my God. So that's how, that's page one. I have not spoiled anything for anyone. <laughs> wow. All right, so my next one is called Talking at Night by Claire Daverly, or Daverly. And this is a book about two teenagers who fall in love with each other in the 90s. And then they something happens and they end up breaking up and going in their separate directions. But the years have gone by and they can't really let go of what might have happened to them. So it's about sudden connections, missed opportunities, and the many loves we have over a lifetime. And the one that keeps us coming back again and again for more. So this is like catnip to me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some like star-crossed romance and, you know, what will happen over the years. I'm flipping through it. I'm seeing that there's no quotation marks. That's annoying. Mm. But I've also heard really good things about this book. So... I have a paperback arc of it, so that's a good one for traveling, and I'm going to bring it with me. I have a feeling this is going to be one that, like, once you start, it's impossible to put it down. I don't think, at least there's one section in William Landay's book that did not have quotation marks, because I was Mm -hmm. like, was it the whole book? No, it was not the whole book. I think it was actually, yeah, it was certain, it must have been certain there's four books in there, but a couple of the books I think didn't have quotation marks. And I felt like I was going crazy. 
Right. Do you know what I thought was a little frustrating about the William Landay book? I don't know if you've noticed this. There's very long passages of dialogue where there's, they're not passages, there's long, many pages of dialogue where they're just very short back and forth, you know, one line back and forth, but he doesn't say who's talking. Right. Yeah. So you have, so you to, have like, to kind of figure it out. Yeah. And it's just what like, last and try to keep track right. of it. Uh, is that just laziness? You think like, why not? It just, it was a little frustrating. I thought. I don't know. It seems like that's like a stylistic thing. And that's interesting because I really don't like, if a book has too much dialogue, I won't read it. (laughs) Right. I need paragraphs. You know, I don't want to read a play, but, and there are some books like I was discussing with a friend, there was this book that we thought sounded really good and we were going to read it together. And I happened to flip through it and I was like, nope, can't do it. It's just, it's just all dialogue. Oh, really? Yep. But I don't like the opposite either when there's no dialogue. No, I think it's, it needs a good mix. Like I like, you know, I like a good mix of both half and half is fine or even 60, 40, but if it's 75%, 80% dialogue, I'm probably not going to read that book. Yeah. All right. So next up is Lone Women by Victor Laval for me. And I've heard of him. I think his works can sort of be, they might veer into horror a little bit, but literary horror, this one, I will see what it's like and if I will be able to read it. It's about this woman. Her name is Adelaide Henry, and she carries an enormous steamer trunk with her wherever she goes. It's locked at all times because they say when she opens it, people start to disappear. She is at the time fleeing California where it seems like, you know, the secret, the steamer trunk or whatever might've been played some role in her parents' death. And it's set in 1915. So she is like trying to take advantage of, you know, I think when they had homesteading going on or the government was giving away land, you could claim a parcel of land if you were able to like tame it and start a farm or something. So she's going to take advantage of that, but she has to bring the steamer trunk with her wherever she goes probably something will happen that will bring this trunk into play (laughs) because I don't think that she will be able to just, you know, run away from her life. So yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. And like I said, I've heard a lot about him. He wrote this book called the changeling that got a lot of buzz. So this is the one I'm starting with. Hmm. Okay. So my last book is would be my second by this author, Elin Hildebrand. I've only read one by her before, and her latest one out is called The Five Star Weekend and seems like a good pick for a summer vacation. So this is a book about a woman whose husband dies and she decides to go on what's called a five-star weekend. It's when one woman organizes a trip for her best friend from each phase of her life, her teenage years, her twenties, her thirties and midlife. So of course this takes place on Nantucket because this is an Elin Hildebrand book. And that's what she does. That's what she does. So she, you know, ends up with these four women. And of course it doesn't turn out to be like this, you know, Hallmark movie, which is what, you know, that's what it's intended to be. But of course, there's going to be drama and conflict. So it, I think you probably know what you're getting if you read an Elin Hildebrand book. But I loved the last one so much that I, I'm, I've been wanting to try a second one. So I think this is the one I'm going to jump in with. Yeah, you've been talking about this one for a while. So curious right. to like whether you're going to jump in with it or not. 
Yeah. All right. So I think we have a respectable, this is respectable for us. Like what is it? Six books a piece. Yeah. Not as long a list, you know, I guess I'm being a little less ambitious than I normally would, but I also have, you know, easy beauty. I'm reading on the Kindle and the land day book. I am halfway through. So we'll see. I'll, I will probably finish that one before I even go away. But yeah, I think this is a, this is a good number for us. Yeah. I'm so excited for you to finish the land day book. <laughs> and I kind of want you to just text me when you're done, but maybe we should try to save the discussion for the show so that we can really get into it. But we, that won't be till September. I don't know. I, I'll probably have to text you. Okay. We'll try to, we'll try to recreate <laughs> what <laughs> we thought of it as best we can when we were back. The, pa- the passion and shock. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, you have a really great vacation. Nicole and I are going to take August off because we're both traveling so much and we have incompatible schedules and we need time to get through these 12 books that we've just (laughs) talked about. So we will be back the fall regroup and looking at the fall. We'll be back in September. So we hope you guys all have a great rest of your summer and we'll talk to you in about a month, a little more than a month, probably. Yeah. All right. Until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us.